I had asked him, Lord, why do some people wait two years? And I waited two decades. Like, what was up with that? And finally, I heard the Lord say, Grace, do you want a faith that is two years deep or two decades deep? And that blew me away. Wait, that's when I realized there are some things that can only be developed in us through the waiting, through the heartache, through the pain. Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. I can't wait for you to hear from our guest today. Grace Wabuki Klein is with us. Grace, along with her husband, Phil, who also happens to be a really good friend of mine, they lead Focus 412, which is a ministry that helps churches grow. But Grace is also a speaker and the author of the brand new book, Flourish, right here, Flourish, Finding Your Purpose in the unknown and unexpected seasons of life. And so in this conversation, you're gonna hear why I love the book so much, but we also have a fantastic discussion on how to flourish, even in the most difficult and painful seasons of life, why sometimes it's better not to know what God has in store for us, how to practically bless others who are living in your dream, how to embrace the gifts of singleness, and also how to recognize and lay down the altars in our lives that keep us from trusting God. So make sure you pick up Grace's book and I'll put the link in the show notes. But while you're at it, make sure to grab a copy of my book, This Dream Is Not For You as well. It's really amazing how they both complement each other. And so you can find all of that on Amazon, wherever you get your books. But once again, it's Flourish by Grace Wabuki Klein. Also, I wanna let you know if you're looking for a prayer guide to help you as you navigate the transition from one season to another, which is a lot of what we talk about today, I'd love for you to download my free prayer guide with 10 questions to clarify where God is leading and how to take the next step. So you can get that free prayer guide. It's just a process to help you really bring your heart to the Lord and consider a couple of different areas when you make decisions. So just go to wadejoy.com forward slash 10 questions. That's the number 10. And I'll also put the link in the show notes and the YouTube description. All right, it's time to jump in to this conversation with Grace. Grace, welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Such a delight. We are we are new friends, even though I have known and loved and respected your husband, Phil, for quite a long time. So in a way, it feels like I've, I've known you longer than I have. Mm-hmm. But I also know you now because you have this amazing book, Flourish, which I had the chance to read. And it is such a timely book. It's such a needed message. And the way you just tell your story is so captivating. And I got a chance to talk to my um, daughters at dinner the other night. And I was about halfway through your book at the time. I'd made it through fall and winter seasons, but that'll make sense in a little bit. But I was just telling them like, and then this happened to her and then that happened and this is what she learned. And it was just, it created such a great family time of talking about what it means to trust God in difficult seasons. So just as a dad, I want to thank you for just even what your book did to open up those doors of conversation. 
Yeah. Well, well, I'm blown away by that. You know, I never know how um, the book is impacting people's lives, but I'm just so touched by how you had that conversation with your daughters. I know that as a daddy's girl and, you know, my, my dad is now at home with the Lord. Those moments are just so special to have um, a father who's speaking life over you and believing in you and, and teaching you those spiritual dif- disciplines. And it's one of the greatest things that my parents ever did is um, teach me about the Lord, introduce me to Him, and teach me what it means to follow Christ. So I just th- love that you were having that conversation with them. Uh, well, thanks for for writing the book that that fostered that. And so I just I want to jump in because we have a lot to talk about, and I want you to be able to to walk us through just a lot of what you share in the pages of the book. But we always start with the question: What are you dreaming about? So how would you answer that question? I am dreaming about doing big things for God with my husband, Phil. (laughs) If you know my story, um, I waited for years and years. That was my dream to be married. Like I was crushing it in other areas at work and um, investing in real estate, all this, that, and the other. But the one dream was to get married and to serve the Lord together with my husband. And so I am um, continuing to dream big things for that as we get to um, build the kingdom together. You know, we're kind of in two different lanes where I'm more like speaking mm-hmm. and writing and he's like working with teams, but together we're building the kingdom and it's it's the greatest joy. And so I want to do more of that um, however we can. Phil, really, he's a, he's a dream man. He was yeah. your dream man. Yes, <laughs> um, come on now. Well, I think that's actually a great segue into your book. So I'd love for you just to walk through where the idea came from to to tell your story and why you were so passionate about it. And even that the book revolves around seasons and maybe start explaining some of that as well. Yes. You know, I didn't um, set out to write a book. I was, I did not have a high need <laughs> to be an author, but <laughs> people started asking me as they heard my story and what the Lord had done in my life for more resources. They said, do you have a you know curriculum or a book? And I was like, no, I hadn't thought about it, but hey, if it's going to help encourage some people, then my answer is always, yes, Lord. You know, I had no idea how big of a yes this was going to be. Um, But, uh, you know, I was like, God, you know, you've done so much in my life and my heart is always to give you the glory and to encourage others to draw closer to Him. And so, this book came out of people asking a question, how did you keep your faith when the struggle was real? And so, the name of the book is called Flora and it's about finding purpose in the unknown and unexpected seasons of life that we go through. Um, The whole world just went through that a few years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we continue to walk with purpose in those times? How do we flourish? Um, Because Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life abundantly. And Mm -hmm. so often when we're going through those struggles of life, there can be a tendency to either go into a cave of depression or put our life on hold. I'll do this when that happened. But I was determined I'm going to live an abundant life. And so the book is divided into the four seasons. I brought a a lot of insight from nature. And so with fall, it represents a season of letting go, letting go of things in our head, our heart, and our hands that may be 
keeping us um, stuck. So in our head, it's like things that we say to ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm never going to amount to anything. I don't have the skills, the talents, or abilities to do what I would like to do. Um, in our heart, it's things like unforgiveness, bitterness, pride. You know, somebody did you wrong years ago and you're still holding on to that. Um, and then our hands, it may be the tithe or offering or relationship that may not be God's best for you. So learning how to let go intentionally, because one of the things we learned from nature is that trees actually intentionally release their leaves. Um, I don't have time to go into the details of it. It's in the all in the book. I'm a daughter of a scientist. And I will tell you, wind is not what blows <laughs> the leaves off. They intentionally do that because trees know that if they did not release the leaves and you go through the whole cycle of the seasons, um, then it would cause the tree to begin to die. And so I talk about what are some things that we need to let go of in our lives that if we don't, it could actually end up harming us. So that's fall. And then winter is about how do you stay standing during the trials of life, the waiting, yeah. waiting for for um, an answer to prayer, to get pregnant, to get married, to for healing, whatever it may be. It could be the loss, loss of a loved one, um, a loss of a marriage, loss of a, a miscarriage, right? Um, and then the struggle, the struggles that we go through, maybe a son or daughters doesn't want anything else to do with the Lord. How do you keep your faith? You know, the Bible talks about we're to be oaks of righteousness planted for the display of his splendor. So, you know, just as trees continue standing when storms and winds and rain and hail come, how do we keep standing in those struggles of our life? So that's winter. Um, spring is about being open to what God has for you, because so often it may not look like what we <laughs> thought it would look like. <laughs> right. Um, and then summer is a time of celebration and reflection, the time of answered prayers. And what did the Lord teach you throughout that journey? And then helping others along the way. Mm -hmm. And so I draw a lot of inspiration from those seasons and apply some practical things that we can um, put into place to flourish no matter what season that you're in. One of the things that I was really struck by and it made the book so much more real to me is the journal entries that you have at the beginning of each season, which number one, it makes me wish that I was as disciplined as a journaler as you are to be able to capture those moments. I've just started journaling in the last two years. Yeah. But I mean, there are some really raw, authentic, desperate cries to God that you very bravely and vulnerably show in the pages of this book. Can you talk about before we even get into, you know, the different seasons, it feels like your anchor through every one of those was your relationship with the Lord in prayer. Like just the honest, just the way you brought your heart to God and also the way you clung to Him, even when everything around you told you not to. Yeah. Can you describe just how you, um, what those disciplines look like for you? Because we talk about that a lot on the show is how to, what, how to prioritize prayer, but also how prayer is more than just checking it off your box every day and how it needs to be a real heart communication to God. Right. You know, first, before I answer that part, I got to tell you, there was some major wrestling between me and the Lord about including those journal entries in the book because I have always said... <laughs> To friends and family. If anything happens to me, you can take whatever you want, but 
find my journals and burn them because <laughs> burn them. I, know I have been so vulnerable and the Bible talks about to pour out your heart to God. And I have done that for decades. I started journaling in high school. And so um, I'm grateful for the, that discipline though, because I, I can look back now and see God's faithfulness. Mm. Things that back in the day I was freaking out about that now I'm like, what was I so concerned? about, you know, God worked it all out and it gives you faith for future that, hey, God's got this. You know, I might be concerned mm -hmm. about something, but I have a whole track record of um, stories and, and journal entries of how God has come through and he's going to continue to do so. So um, I, I feel like the Lord had me put that in there so that I would meet people in the struggle. Because right now mm -hmm. I can be, you know, you would say I'm in my summer season. The Lord answered my prayer. But I remember those years and years of winter season. So um, as far as a discipline of, of prayer is something that my parents instilled in us um, when we were kids, we they would have us pray before we left for school every morning. We'd gather together in a circle oh. and pray for the day. They'd pray a blessing over us. And at the time, I found it so frustrating, Wade, because it meant that we had to get up early. <laughs> a kid wants to get up early for school, uh -huh. right? And so now, though, I cherish those moments because it taught mm. me at a young age the power of prayer. You know, I would, I, we would pray and I'd see the Lord answer a prayer. And I was like, wow, this, this really works. And so I'm grateful that they taught me um, that discipline that when you don't know what to do, you, you go to God first for, for wisdom, for guidance, for encouragement. And as I saw that he did answer, I was like, oh, this, this is great. I, why would I not go to him first? You know, he knows the situation better than I do and what's going on and what I need. And so that has been one of the key things for me. Um, I would say I am, uh, a worshiper, but one who you don't want a microphone in front of. <laughs> so I love to worship the Lord at home, and you know, in my shower, in my car, blast the music. And I felt I find that for me, in times of just struggle and heartache, it allows me to focus my attention and my heart onto the Lord versus what is the current situation. Um, I make a joyful noise to the Lord, but I know Amen. that Come on. that heart of worship, right? To have a gift like mm -hmm. you, I'm like, woof. What what a gift oh. to be able to not only sing but write worship songs. Wow. It's amazing. I'm a retired singer now. <laughs> My voice is rusty. <sighs> Stop it. Well, it made like those journal entries and those prayers made the the ones that are in your summer season. Mm -hmm. Like even for me, I was like, it made it that much more powerful to read mm -hmm. knowing your journey of what you detail in the book. Yeah. And we were talking before we even hit record about how I feel like our books are really great companion <laughs> books because, you know, my book talks about letting go of a dream and surrendering your dreams to God and walking in your purpose. And I feel like, you know, so much of your book, especially the fall and winter seasons are about that very thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you even talk about, there's a central dream you have in the book yeah. um, to be married. Can yeah. you just maybe walk us through a little bit of, 
just your journey with that and how hard it was to let go and trust God with that dream? Yes, absolutely. You know, that was something I had no, if you had told me that at 42, I would still be single, I would have thought, what in the world? But that was the reality. I mean, so many little girls, I remember being a little girl and you have Ken and Barbie and you're playing that they're walking down the aisle getting married, right? And so I had my life planned out from when I was in junior high, high school. I was like, I'm going to take my honors classes, get to the AP classes, a great college, go to medical school, um, you know, get married and have this wonderful career. And I felt like the Lord did one of those things. I'm dating myself, but there used to be a toy called an Etch-A-Sketch where you would draw oh, I remember. a sign, right? And then all of a sudden you mm. could take it and then all of a sudden it's gone. <laughs> I felt like it was one of those. I was like, what? Um, God, this is not what I envisioned my life would be like. That when I said I surrender all, I didn't think it, you know, it would include that. And so, um, long story short, I went through twenties and that was okay. Cause you're with your single girlfriends, you know, having fun going out, but then they started getting married and then they started having kids and we're now into thirties and early forties. I was like, I don't know, God, what I missed, uh, what I've done wrong. Am I, you know, like what, tell me I will do it. And so, um, I actually almost just went and did my own thing. Cause a lot of times as a woman in leadership in ministry could be intimidating for some. So I was like, well, let me find a different route to do ministry. That's a little bit more behind the scenes. Um, but I got, called out and I was like, this is what God has called me to do. So um, I met Phil um, when he came to work with my church. We were going through a leadership transition and he came in and um, part of the process, he had to interview some of the key staff members of which I was one of them. And so what I have realized and I encourage so many others who are single and I know we're all waiting for different things. It could be an answer to mm -hmm. healing prayer or, you know, to get pregnant or for a dream. But I, for me, I realized that if I'm here and the future spouse that God has for me is here and God's up here, like kind of like a triangle, as long as we're both passionately pursuing God and living out our purpose, he's going to have our paths mm -hmm. crossed. Like he knows where we each are. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm so grateful that we uh, finally met at age 42. And one of the things that people may not realize is that at age 42, Phil was my first boyfriend and first kiss. And I tell people that it, that's not because there weren't guys interested in me, but it truly is that I believe God brings two people together for kingdom purpose. And I was determined not to settle um, or compromise, not saying it was easy. It was definitely very lonely, but I can testify now that it was worth the wait, yeah. worth it to do things God's way. And so... Yeah. You you definitely can um, know that I was emphasizing that in my conversation with my daughters <laughs> the other night. <sighs> but I, I really do love just the way you don't sugarcoat the struggle. Mm -hmm. um, but you also make a really great point of there's no greater joy. I think this is how you say it in the book. There's no greater joy than partnering with God and blessing others. Yeah. And you have some great examples of how instead of retreating into a pity party or envy or jealousy, you actually flip that 
and found ways to bless other couples like on Valentine's Day and, and things like that. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what that did in your heart? Yes. And when where it came from, first of all, is, you know, in ministry, you get to interact with a lot of different people, see a lot of different stories. And one of the things that became very evident to me along the way is that there are people who had this dream that I had, which was to be married, but were not happy. And I realized, wow, it's I better focus on being a happy single. It's much better to be a happy single than an unhappy married. And I really um, began to think about how am I going to live this life, live the life that Jesus came for me to have a life of abundance and significance and living with purpose and um, serving others is one of the key ways that we do that. And so I began to serve, ask the Lord for ways to serve people um, in the season that I was in. You know, I had uh, some resources as such as time um, to be able to serve mm -hmm. people. And then I also wanted to sow seeds into so the one that you mentioned um, as far as um, Valentine's Day, I what I did with that one is I had identified some couples that were um, inspiring to me. I was like, oof, I had a, a marriage. I want it to look like that. And I just wanted to sow a seed. So I thought, you know, if I was celebrating Valentine's, I would love to be at this particular steakhouse restaurant. And so mm -hmm. instead, since I wasn't, you know, going out for Valentine's, I gifted it to them. So I chose several different couples and gave them um, a gift so that they could go and enjoy it. Um, but there are so many different things that I did. You know, it was two decades. So I joke that this book could have really been a series of things <laughs> that took place over <laughs> 20 years, but it really was about serving others and being a blessing to others instead of like, we're going into the holidays. So anybody who may be single right now, I know the struggle is real, you know, and the loneliness. And especially if you are in ministry or in leadership, you know, it's, it's so much about families. And so, um, using that time to be a blessing to maybe somebody else who may not be able to have Christmas and providing finances for them to purchase gifts or to enjoy that time with the family. And it's so rewarding when you realize you're partnering the, with the Lord to answer a prayer that they may have. And so there's many stories of that um, throughout the season. And I can't tell you just the amount of joy that it brings to realize that you were a part of what God was doing in their lives. I love that. That's such a practical challenge to to help us get our eyes off of ourselves mm -hmm. and actually how can we be a blessing to other people. And that kind of segues into something you mentioned in, t in the winter section of the book, how we contend when we're waiting on God for something to happen that we slam the brakes on everything else. Yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yes, I have lived through that and found out it does not work well. You know, um, so often we can want something so bad that we begin to lose out on other things in life or let them go. And that's not the abundant life that Christ came for us to live. I know specifically for, for being single, it, people can, um, I've often said, oh, I'm going to put on hold pursuing another degree because I don't want to be too much more educated than, you know, and, and make that 
pool even mm. smaller, or I'm not going to buy that house until this happens. I'm not going to pursue and mm. get that degree. And I say, we want to live this life to our fullest and experience all that God has for us. And it really is a decision that we need to make that are we living our life surrendered to the Lord and what he wants us, wants to do in and through us. I love how you write mm. about that in, uh, in your book where you talk about striving is, is making our dreams happen at all costs, but surrender is trusting God with our dreams, no matter the cost. And I just love that. Um, living a life where, Lord, I want to please you no matter the cost. Whether or not this dream comes to pass, you are the one I'm living for. You are the one I desire more than anything. And I had to come to a point with that when it came to my desire to get married. And some of you might be a desire to have kids or to start your own business or to um, to experience a healing and to say, no matter whether or not this um, dream comes to pass or whether this um, prayer is answered, he is still God and I want to live for him and give him glory more than anything else. And um, there's a specific story that um, brought me to that in, in the book, but I don't want to go into too much details or jump ahead. <laughs> oh, I, lo I love all the stories. Go, go for it. Oh, okay. Well, there there was this time when I, I it came to a head. I believe it was my late 30s, uh, about the time when I was just turning 40. And I was like, I am going into my fourth decade and still single? There's no way. Um, but I through the time of just um, surrendering to the Lord and meditating on how everything we have comes from Him and everything we have belongs to Him, I said, okay, Lauren, whether or not I get married, my life is yours. And at that time, I had a few friends who were looking to get their first um, place place of their own. And I thought, well, everything I have come from the Lord and belongs to Him. So maybe He wants to entrust some of the things that I have to them to be a blessing to them. And so I invited three different friends um, over. And at first I started, had started picking things that I would give away, but then I realized those are things that I was comfortable letting go of, but the true test was if they picked the things. And so on hmm. three different occasions, I had these friends come over and I said, the Lord has entrusted me with everything in this house. And I believe at this point, he wants to entrust you with it because it all came from him and belongs to him. And hmm. so they looked at me like I had three eyes, um, but eventually- <laughs> yeah. we like She can't be serious. Right. Began walking through the house and they picked different things. One was about the same size as me. So she took a lot of my clothes. Another focused on more like kitchen items, took my kitchen aid mixer and a whole bunch of other things. And then the other was more like decor and stuff. And um, I had so much fun doing that. I will admit, I had one moment of panic when I realized I had my car keys on the counter. And I was like, if they take that, I don't know how I'm getting to work. But other than that, you know, I had told them they need to take everything then. They couldn't come back with like a moving truck, right? But, you know, my mm -hmm. house got a lot more bare, darker, because they took lights and then clothes. It was hard to put together outfits or cook because I didn't know, you know, what to use. But there was such a joy that came from that, Wade, because I realized there is nothing nothing that I'm holding on to more than my desire for God and his will in my life that I was able to just surrender everything to him. Yeah. And so 
that was that was a huge um, like moment in my spiritual journey um, of just trusting God with my life. I'm glad you sh- shared that story because I actually was going to ask you about it. It was one of the ones that was both, oh gosh, I can't believe she did that. And I was inspired and at the same time convicted and scared of like, God, are you going to ask me to do that? <laughs> um, that was not the point of sharing that whole story. I'm not asking you to have somebody go through your house and take whatever they want. The point of that is getting to a place of complete surrender. Just like you mm-hmm. talk about in your book, surrendering our dreams mm-hmm. to the Lord, surrendering our life to the Lord, um, and and just being obedient to whatever He calls us to say or do. I mean, it, it really did get me to examine my heart and say, are there any altars that are controlling me too much or that are um, altars that have too much power over my life that I'm unwilling to lay down before the Lord. Yes. And so it was, it was a really, um, I think really needed story. Cause once again, we talked about that uh, as a family and we were able to pinpoint, Hey, this is something that we might need to give up for a while or to take mm-hmm. a break from. And I, I think that's such a really important application because being a disciple of Jesus means trusting Him with everything, right. um, not just the things we want to give to Him, but the things that we want to hold back and then realizing that He's the source of any gift that we have. And yeah. I think that was what was so beautiful about just everything you share in the book is I felt like you kept coming back to, well, God gave me all this anyway, so I'm going to put it back in his hands. Yes. And so you also talk about, and and this was really, really interesting to me because I think one of the things that I say to God a lot, I hear this from a lot of people is, God, if you would just tell me when this is going to happen, how this is going to happen, if I could, I mean, I'm praying through some of that right now. And you make a point that even if he told you, that's not the the blessing you think it is always. Can you explain that? Yes. I mean, to all my planners out there, I feel your pain. I mean, I... I love to plan and be prepared and know what's going to happen. And um, in fact, that's one of the things, if I could digress for a second, that I've really been challenged as we've been, um, and many of us have been watching The Chosen. And, you know, I know all the Bible stories, you know, Wade, you and I have grown up in church and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all the characters and everything. But one of the things that has struck me the most about watching it is how the disciples really didn't know what was going to happen that day. And, mm-hmm. and there was often no plan, you know? And, and for me, that would drive me crazy. I'd be like, where are we going? <laughs> How are we going to be there? What do I need to prepare? What do I need to pack? What's the plan for once we get there? You know, and, um, if you've been on this faith journey any amount of time, you know that that's not how the Lord rolls. And mm-hmm. so I was really challenged by watching and saying, so if I was one of those 12 disciples, I would really have to just have to get with the program. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're following Christ. But um, in answer to your question, one of the things that I went through was uh, during my winter season was the deaths of three family members in less than three years. Um, My dad, who was my hero, my grandmother, and my auntie, who was like a mother to me. And, um, And so walking through those different things, I was like, Lord, I... 
especially with the one with my dad, I had had my quiet time that morning and my dad had just mm-hmm. gone in for a um, simple procedure. They were te- just checking something. He had been dealing with Parkinson's, but, you know, mm-hmm. he seemed like he was getting better. And I had just talked to him the day before on FaceTime. Um, he was in a different state at the time. And so I just was like, Lord, if you had told me to get on a plane and be there with him, I feel like my life, I've surrendered to listening to you. Like I would have been there. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, why would you not have told me this? Um, and I, because I was not there when he passed away, I actually ended up just going through this period of intense fear. And if you know me, that's not my personality at all. I'm like one who's like, come on, let's go, you know, let's do this. <laughs> and, um, and instead, Phil would go somewhere or be leaving the house and be like, where are you going? When are you coming back? Can I come with you? Now he loved it because his love language is quality time. And, but I knew for me, I was like, there is something wrong. And so I began to work with um, our Christian counselor and then also just spend so much time in prayer. And, um, you know, Phil is 15 years older than me. And so my fear was like, maybe something would happen to him and I wouldn't be there or any of my other family members. And so it wasn't and, um, for about a few months later, the Lord, during one of my times of prayer was like, Grace, stop living in fear. Your father was ready to go. And hmm. Wade, I tell you, I just broke down in tears and just realized that what was the worst day of my life as a daddy's girl um, was my dad's best day because having walked with the Lord for over 50 years, he was meeting his maker face to face for the first time. And I realized through that and then my the passing of my auntie that if the Lord had told me that this was going to happen. I know I would have started with intercession and prayer, like Lord save them and like keep mm-hmm. them alive, you know, a few more years, 15 more years, like you did in the, we see in your yeah. word, did, right? Um, and then if he chose not to answer that prayer, I would have probably been in a much worse place um, of trying to reconcile all of that. And so I just realized that there's some things that, knowing more and that what's behind it could actually harm us more and cause more emotional damage than not knowing. And so God in his grace, he just loves us so much (laughs) and he knows us right? to know that may not be what you need right now. Yeah. Knowledge isn't always the gift we think it is. Right. Um, Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I know that those are very personal stories uh, of loss and of grief but I think it was, it, it just really challenged me. Why do I want to know? Mm-hmm. What is going to change about my obedience if I got that answer? Exactly. Um, and I think it inspired me to to trust God more yeah. in the unknown, in the uncertainty, because that's where real faith is born. Yes. Uh, and, and speaking of that uncertainty and not knowing, you talk about how you were about, I mean, you were really close to giving up on your dream of ministry and being a pastor. And you were thinking about going full-time into being an investor. Yes. And then something happened at a conference that changed everything. And I think this will be really encouraging for people because one of the things I hear a lot is, how do I know when it's time to to move on from this dream? How do I know, do, do I keep staying at it? 
And then I, I loved how the Lord worked and orchestrated your steps through all this. Mm-hmm. Yes. So as a woman in ministry, in leadership, I had been told that I could come across as intimidating. I don't feel like I am at all. And uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm a very fun and loving person and make people feel mm-hmm. welcome. But I was like, okay, if there's any re- um, truth to any of this, how can I impact this? And so one of the things I had started investing in real estate, and I found that when I went on dates and people, they always ask you what you do. If I told them I work at a church, then they kind of go, okay, and then what, you know, what more? And then they find out you're a minister and they're like, out of here, right? And I said, I'm an investor. People would lean in. Oh, it's so, <laughs> this is so in the flesh. But I was like, I'm going to fund the ministry and still be in ministry, but do it behind the scenes. I had this all worked out, Wade. And I was like, and then I'll go on dates and, blah, 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 and I'll have this, I'll make this dream happen because clearly God mm-hmm. needed some help, right? Um, and so <laughs> I went to Bob Goff's um, first. Uh, uh, dream big seminar that he was having and at that seminar you know you're supposed to share your dream and you and what you're believing for and um and I had shared that I wanted to be a philanthropist I wanted to make money through real estate investing and give to the church and other nonprofits. and on that second day Bob called me out this is out of a room of like 40 people I think and he said Grace you have some Thing to say. People need to hear from you. <laughs> and inside, I was like, what? Surely you've conf- confused me with somebody else. Because a lot of people there wanted to be speakers and writers and like he was. And I was trying to run away from the platform. Everybody else was trying to build their platform. But to me, it meant that I wasn't going on second dates because once they found out I was on the platform, somehow I was more intimidating. So anyway... I got called out and I knew I was doing the Jonah thing. I knew I was just trying to run the opposite direction. And the Lord and his love was like, Grace, this is what I've created you to do. And this is what I've gifted you for. And so I'm like, yes, Lord, you know, I love you so much. And I just have to trust that as I surrender my life to you, you know the dreams and desires that I have and um, you know what's best for me. I mean, even the fact of you talk about um, certain dreams, like I was dreaming for a chocolate bald head man of God, Wade, um, you know, and that's <laughs> that's purely because, you know, I was always the only one, only African-American in my school community and I was always different. And so I didn't want to be different when I came home. And um, the Lord answered that prayer with, with white chocolate and lots of hair, but he knew more than I did. That's exactly what I needed. I cannot express to you how much um, love and healing um, that that Phil has brought into my life that I didn't even know he needed healing in certain areas. And so God knew. So I just encourage anybody who's listening, you know, that we can trust God with our dreams. We can trust Him with our lives. That He He does want what's best for us, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, but he does these things so that he gets the glory, right? Yeah, amen. Oh, you're preaching. <laughs> uh, but I mean, but that when, so I mean, speaking of, of you preaching, then Bob did something at a place where he was supposed to speak with you. Can you, because I love the story. Can you tell that? No, so, so this is, um, 
still at that dream big dream big workshop and and I went uh, um sorry let me start over at the dream big workshop and on the final day we were all saying goodbye and thank you and um and I just said I think you might have confused me you know I don't know what you uh meant about me what having to speak or something to say and he said absolutely you need to speak you have something to say and in fact mm-hmm. I'm going to be speaking at this conference um doing the keynote at the end of this week and I would love to have you come and share a few words um just before I start and I was like, what? Like, wait, who does that? He did not even know at the time whether or not I'd spoken before, what I would say. And I'm just so grateful for just to have somebody like that, you know, who just believes in you and believes in the dream that you might not even realize is um so evident in your life. And so yeah. I um went and I did that with him. And it it was it was just remarkable experience you know literally before we're going out he's like okay this you want to hold the microphone this far from you <laughs> and he, he mm-hmm. didn't know that I was um, a pastor and had spoken before but it, it did something to me that I want to be like that for other people to believe in what um mm-hmm. what God has put in them and and their dream and how can I partner in making that a reality yeah so you're in your summer season now because you, you've released a book, uh-huh. you you preach, you speak, you are married. Is it possible to be in two seasons at the same time? Like, can you be celebrating summer over here, but you still have a, a winter season that you're dealing with? Oh, a hundred percent. That's one of the key differences between nature and life. Like in nature, there is a set, you know, three to four months for each season and it goes on to the next. Well, in life, you never know if the seasons are going to be three to four months, years or decades, first of all. And then it is very possible to be in two seasons at the same time. And so shortly after I got married was when my dad passed away. And so here I am trying to enjoy my best life as a newlywed. And at the same time, grieving the biggest loss I've ever experienced. And um, so it's that, you know, tension between like summer and and winter or fall and spring, you know, it's very possible Mm. to be in both. And I found that it's, you know, uh, I had to say, Lord, help me to navigate this. You know, it wasn't what I expected, but you clearly knew this was going to happen. So help me to be able to still celebrate um, the season of being a newlywed and at the same time walk through the grief and mourning of such a huge loss. And there have been others along the way. And so that's why throughout the book, I try and give some practical things that we can do in times like that so that we're still able to live our life and not put it on hold or go into a cave of depression. Mm-hmm. but really um, lean into what God may be wanting to do or to teach us through that. One of the things that um, I would often ask the Lord is, God, why is it taking so long? And some of you may be asking, why is it mm-hmm. taking so long to answer my prayer, for my dream to come to pass, for my um, for me to, to get pregnant or to have a family for this healing? And year after year, I ask that. And it can be so frustrating when you see him answering the same prayer for somebody mm-hmm. else. I'm like, well, what did they do that yeah, I didn't exactly. do? You know? and, uh, and so it wasn't until after I got married, Wade, that the Lord finally answered that prayer. And I, was, I had asked him, Lord, why do some people wait 
two years and I waited two decades. Like what was up with that? And um, finally I heard the Lord say, Grace, do you want a faith that is two years deep or two decades deep? Mm. And that blew me away. Wait, that's when I realized there are some things that can only be developed in us through the waiting, through the heartache, through the pain. Because I can tell you now, my faith is strong. Like you need to believe for something. I'm your girl because I will stand and believe with you for for that, for that dream to come to pass um, and for whatever you are crying out to God for. And so that's there's some things, anybody who may be listening, that I want to just encourage you, lean into what God is showing you and teaching you in this time because it will be something that you'll be able to encourage others with on the other side. When you said the thing in the book about the faith that's two years deep or two decades deep. I wanted to star it, underline it, circle it, highlight it, do all the things. <laughs> um, because that can be such a confusing aspect of our walk with God and trusting Him and wondering, like, what is the purpose of making me wait this long? And even even if we never get the exact reasons, and you know, I, I do think the depth of trust and confidence and faith that the Lord develops in that is truly a gift. Mm-hmm. And it's a gift you can't shortcut. You know, we have people listening or watching. They're in a fall season, winter, spring, or summer, or maybe all of them at the same time. Right. Can you flourish in every season? Mm-hmm. And what would you say, like, what is the one thing you want people to take away from this book more than anything else? Mm-hmm. The one thing I want people to take away is that God is always working. He is working when you see him doing something and when it doesn't seem like anything is happening. Just like photosynthesis and you know for plants, we don't see it with our natural eye, but we see the effects of it. And so in our lives as well, as we surrender to him, just like you say in your book, I love how the Lord has just been speaking to us very similar things. It's about a surrender. If we surrender to him and allow him to work in us, um, that he he will teach us things, he will transform us to be more like him. And that, my friends, is the key to flourishing in whatever season that we're in. That's beautifully said. And I, I really, I couldn't recommend this book highly enough. I think everybody who's watching or listening, you should get this book because you will find yourself in the pages of the book no matter what's going on in your life. And I think it prepares you for whenever you enter a season that's up ahead of you as well. So I want to thank you for writing it. I want to thank you for being faithful with your story. How can people continue to follow you and learn from you? Oh, well, I can be found at Grace Wabuki Klein on Facebook, Instagram. Um, my website is also Grace Wabuki Klein. I would love to connect with you and hear your story and your dreams um, and your story of God's faithfulness. Awesome. Well, Grace, thank you for being on the show today. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you. And I can't wait for people to read the book. Oh, thank you, Wade. It's such an honor to be here. I mean, in in this Klein household, you are a legend. And so thank you for the opportunity. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Man, what an inspiring and uplifting conversation. I love uh, just Grace's heart and spirit and just the joy that radiates from her. So I encourage you to get a copy one more time, get a copy of Flourish. You can also go to gratitudewithgrace.com for some more resources. Make sure to follow her on Instagram. 
and continue just to glean from her wisdom and ministry. And then share this episode today with anyone who needs it and anyone that you think would really be helped by her testimony. Plus, if you want to support the show, leave us a review wherever you listen, Apple or Spotify, or if you're watching on YouTube, you can like the show uh, and leave us a comment. I'd love to just hear what God's speaking to you through these episodes, what he's doing in your life. It would really encourage me and mean a lot. So thanks for joining us today. I'll see you back here next week for more Dreamers and Disciples. Mm -hmm.